Good morning, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. I'm glad, I'm so glad that you've made the connection today. I'm Lori Fitz, your host, and the goal of our show is to explore a wide range of topics that challenge us to see ourselves, our community, and the world around us in ways that get us thinking, get us exploring, get us wondering, get us connected. And perhaps inspired or challenged to do just a bit more because we made the connection. So every day we're learning more about COVID-19 and how it's impacting our work. And you may be worried about your job or perhaps you're furloughed. Or maybe this time out has gotten you thinking, am I really happy in the work I'm doing? Would I want to do something different if I could? And what would that look like? Where would I start? So we have someone that can help guide us in thinking about that. Uh, we have Mary Jacobs, who is the founder of the Women's Accelerator. And she's here to share some ideas for us to consider. And instead of being afraid of all the changes during COVID-19, maybe this is just the right time to pursue something that really makes a difference for you. And we know that there's next rounds of layoffs and there's all kinds of craziness and it's hard to stay focused and it's hard to not be afraid. But maybe there's something that we all can explore and do to make it uh, less stressful in exploring something different. So Mary, welcome. We're so glad you're here today. Well, thank you, Lori. I'm so happy to be here with you this Saturday morning. Oh, great. Now, you started the Women's Accelerator. Tell me Mm -hmm. what that is and how you got it started. So I started the Women's Accelerator 11 years ago, and I've done a lot of work with women in their 40s, 50s, and 60s that are really in transition from being an employee to becoming an entrepreneur. And part of the reason that I I started this business many years ago was because when I was laid off, uh, after working for Northwest Airlines for 19 years, I was laid off at 42, and I decided that I wanted to start a business as I kind of explored what was my next chapter. And so I looked at that year, that first year in transition of where, where can I find the resources? Where can I go to attend classes, webinars, you name it? I soaked it all in. And I, while there were great things that were offered back then, as there are now, I didn't feel like there was a place that kind of really guided me like a step-by-step. And so I got very involved with an organization called SCORE, which is part of the Small Business Administration. So I was a SCORE client first. And then I became a SCORE counselor. And then I started teaching a lot of classes with SCORE. And then I really started to focus in on women. And I used to teach a lot of co-ed classes. But really, I felt that the, that the women that were drawn to me in the way that I taught, because as a salesperson, as a sales leader in the airline industry, a lot of corporate experience, um, I really thought, oh, I'm going to bring a lot of my background Um, into a new business. And so I started a sales training company, believe it or not, for small businesses. But what I recognized my first year is that I was really not prepared as a new small business owner how to sell my company. And so I learned so much in that first year, but I also felt like I lost the momentum because they're kind of spinning. And so as I got more involved with SCORE, got more involved with entrepreneurial organizations, I realized that I'd like to be a resource for women that are starting businesses. And I'm really trying to focus on people in mid-career. And so primarily women, but I certainly have done a lot of work with men as well. And now, just as you did in the introduction as we talk about COVID, I mean, in our lifetime right now, this is the worst economic crisis 
with millions and millions of people unemployed, getting furloughed. I was just reading an article in the Wall Street Journal this morning that said now corporations are preparing for another round of cuts because COVID is lasting longer than ever. So I, I, what I did in the beginning of COVID, you know, back in April and May, is I, I took a workbook that I've been working and using in classes that I teach, and I updated it. And I wanted to make it kind of more of a book-slash-workbook. So that if I wasn't teaching a class in person, someone could have access to it. And I've been doing a lot of, um, you know, speaking interviews over the summer to really talk about, is this the right time? Because COVID is so unique and we're trying to, as best we can, prepare for the future. And we really don't know what the future is going to look like. And so there are a lot of people that may be affected, not because of anything that they've done. They may lose their job and they may be a little older and they're fearful, like, well, Will I be able to get another, another corporate job? And what I would say is, you know what? If you've had in the back of your mind an idea percolating to start a business, I think this is a great time, you know, to start a business, to really explore it. And so I feel really grateful to have done a lot of really good work for many years, but feel like right now in this moment, more than ever, that people are starting to think about maybe I should go out and explore and see if I should start a business. And so I just really wanted to be a resource uh, my book is available up on Amazon, and if people want to go look at it, they can find it. And, and it really is kind of a guide and step-by-step. And I will say, I believe there's really a number of great organizations out there as well. SCORE is a great organization. There's a lot of different resources. So what can we do in this moment to help and to support each other? Because the unknown is scary, and trying to figure out what am I supposed to do. So I, I really, think... really believe oh, – go ahead. No, no, go ahead. No, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. I just want to say, people should be open-minded that maybe I can take my corporate experience and do something with it and start my own practice or start a new company altogether. Well, as I'm listening to you, I think to myself, when, when people are afraid, what they want more than anything else is hope. Uh, they they right. want to get something that allows them to move forward because fear can be paralyzing. And you have ideas that you've outlined in your book and, and that we've had talks about in terms of mm-hmm. how strategy can be your hope and strat- investing the time and energy and really looking at strategy. It, share with us some of those ideas that you have about hope and strategy. Yeah, thank you for that. And that's actually a great opening statement. So when I talk about, um, you know, what, it, what does it take to get looking and be prepared? I want people to be really realistic that writing a business plan is that first step. So a lot of times people have a business concept, right, that it's been percolating for a while. They've got an idea. Maybe they've been nurturing for a few years or maybe just like in the last 12 weeks because of, of the new world that we're living in. But you know what? You can't just start a business without planning and strategy. There are a lot of business plan templates. It doesn't have to be complex, but it's going to take you through clearly identifying your product and your service. Who's your competition? How are you going to market and sell your company? Um, Understanding your pricing strategy, which is a big, big part of being successful so that you can build a long-term sustainable business. And then also setting milestones, because one of the things that I think people are not as prepared for the first year of entrepreneurship is accountability and being really self-motivated and having to push yourself to be able to, you know, keep going when you're not feeling like you want to keep going. So business plan is the first thing I tell people that they want to get started with. Lots of free templates out there. Google it. You can find them. The other thing that I do is work on an exercise that I call the business narrative. And that's where I spend a lot of time because a lot of the work that I do is with women in professional services firms who are taking, you know, like say a marketing background or a sales background, operations background. And that's the 
the goal of their new company is to try to parlay that work experience into a new company. So when I talk about the business narrative, I talk about, to simplify it, it's your three E's, your, it's your experience, your expertise, and your, your education. And then to really be able to articulate that and then be able to realize that that is the foundation of your new business. That's what you're going to want to do when you start to, to, to build out your company, because that first year or two in business, somebody's going to hire you or a business, a company's going to hire you because you worked at Target Corporation or 3M uh, or Best Buy, and you've got that really relevant work experience in whatever capacity. That's what you're going to leverage when you start your own company. So when I talk about planning and preparation, it's got to be a business plan first, and it should be a working document. I don't want ever someone to write a business plan and then put it in the shelf, put it in their computer, and don't look at it again. You should be looking at that on a regular basis because that's the foundation of how you're going to get started. So that whole idea about planning and strategy, that sets you up for success. And if you're willing to do the work and realize that it is work, it isn't going to happen overnight, and it might take you, you know, a few months, six months, it might even take you almost a year to get really well prepared, but that work will pay off. And so being mindful from the get-go that I've got to do pre-work in order to set myself up to be successful in the long term. I mean, that's really just one of the best things I say to people out of the gate. That's what you want to do to be successful. You've got to do the pre-work. And the other thing is do, you know, do some research, the competitive analysis, because while you may think that your idea is unique, there's going to be someone or some ones that are doing something similar to yours that you're going to have some competition. So understanding who the competition is, maybe if you can see it from a transparency standpoint, how they're pricing your product or their service, um, understanding like who are their customers, because you might also see on their website, they've done business with these kinds of companies or individuals. That will help you kind of understand too about how you want to set up your own business. And then also getting to the point that you really understand your value proposition so what is someone going to get or a, a company going to get by working with you? So what's the ROI by hiring you to do consulting or training or if they buy a product? I, like I said to you, I, I do a lot more work with professional services, but there are a number of women that I've worked with that have some kind of a product that they're trying to sell as well. So really being mindful about what's the ROI. You've got to be able to articulate your value and the, the value proposition. You've got to be able to speak to the outcomes that someone's going to have by working with you. And the value proposition, I think, is something to, to think about and pause and come back to over and over because mm-hmm. I think what the core of that is is understanding a confidence in who you are and what you bring of value. And that we, as we've talked, women have uh, uh, great competencies, but mm-hmm. they don't necessarily feel confident about putting themselves out there. Um, until they think it's all done and that it's all right and it's all perfect. Um, and I want to explore that in, in our next segment a little bit more. But if you have just a, a, a little bit to share with us on what you think about that idea of competence versus confidence. Oh, you know, great segue because I often tell people when I teach classes that women don't lack competence, but they lack confidence. And I get nods every time I say that statement when I'm teaching a class full of women because they get it. That feels like a self-identifier. And so one of the goals is you've got to be able to really look at yourself self, and, and reflect and understand your own value. And then you got to own it. So you should walk into a room and say, this is what I'm really good at. So you, Lori, you know, you're a radio personality, but you're, you're a communications expert, right? So you, you, you've got a niche. So you need to have people figure out what their niches are right out of the gate. That's I say you need to, I need to, I help people, 
understand what their niches are right out of the gate, and to build their confidence. Because I really don't believe it's ever a lack of of competence. And I've, I've been fortunate enough through the years to have worked with highly, highly credentialed women, you know, Harvard, PhDs, um, doctors, really credentialed women. And I got to tell you, it's the same all the time. When it gets to the point where they have to talk about themselves and sell themselves, it's so personal that there's that. And I get it. There's a fear of like, gosh, if you don't buy from me, are you rejecting me personally? And they're not. It just might be not the right time right now to buy from you or work with you. Um, but you've got to realize it's also partially a numbers game. You've got to be prepared. You've got to do a lot of work to get out there and talk about yourself and sell yourself to get those contracts, to get people to buy from you. And what we're going to do is we're going to leave it there for um, the continuing conversation after our break. But I want uh, the audience to be thinking about, you know, do you feel competent and confident? And if not, why not? And what could that look like? And you do such a good job, Mary, also of helping people figure out the good ideas that they have <laughs> and helping them feel confident about that. So we'll, we'll talk a little bit more about it in the next segment. So thank you for joining us on this segment. We're on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota. And we'll be right back uh, and exploring some confidence in moving forward, especially during the COVID-19. We'll be right back. Good morning. I'm Lori Fitz, and welcome to Connections Radio Show, where we talk about ideas that matter. And I am so glad that you have joined the conversation. Today we have Mary Jacobs, and Mary Jacobs is the founder of Women's Accelerator. And to learn more about her, you can go to her website, which is thewomensaccelerator.com. And she's been sharing with us about thinking about entrepreneurs, entrepreneurism, especially for women, but really for anyone, you know, as you're starting to figure out if this is really what you want to do, where you explore your work and thinking to yourself is, am I happy here? Is, am I feeling fulfilled? Is, does this make sense? Is this a time now maybe to move in a new direction? But it's scary to think about being an entrepreneur. It's scary to think about uh, what you want to do. And we need hope to move forward. We need hope to move forward with COVID-19 in general. But in exploring something new, we need to have strategy as well. So Mary's here to share with us about how to create some strategies, how to recognize our competencies and build our confidence. So tell us more about that, Mary. Well, glad to be back in the second segment with you too, Lori. So, and, and this is just such a great topic, isn't it? Because of the timing this year. Oh, absolutely. I think a lot of us ended 2019 think, hey, we're doing a new decade. 2020 is going to be a great new year. And, you know, I don't know that many of us think that it's a great new year. However, I, I will say, you know, out of the environment that we're in right now is opportunity. And if you can look at a kind of a half empty, half full um, and it's hard, so I'm not trying to be Pollyannish about that either, right, that it's very, very difficult right now. But a lot of new businesses and new ideas, new products are developed in a time of a crisis, and really that's what we're in right now. And so if you can have an open mind and think you might still be working and you're happy to be working, you know, with the salary and benefits and colleagues and customers that you like, but you might also be thinking, you know what, I'm 50 years old, what if I were to lose my job? What's my plan B? 
And I, I really want to say you want to explore what do you like to do? What are you good at? And I've had a lot of conversations with people through the years, too. Like, I know that I want to do something different, but I don't know exactly what that is. And then how do I explore that, what I do? And I say, just be aware of what brings you joy, what brings you happiness, because sometimes it's not obvious. Like for me, coming out of a sales background, um, working with women entrepreneurs, I personally had an interest in entrepreneurship probably my entire life. And I was not raised in a family of entrepreneurs, but I was always intrigued with that idea that someone could take a concept and then build a company. And so I was attracted to magazines like Inc. and Fast Company and Entrepreneur. If I could watch a program on the Food Network years ago, they used to do uh, a show around companies that were, so whether it was something food-related or related to products in the food industry, loved that show. That was one of my favorite things to watch, and I looked forward to it. So I want to kind of impart on people, if you think, like, I know I want to do something else, but I don't know what it is, just be aware of what, what are you attracted to, what are you drawn to, and I also really want to focus, and, and we talked about this in the last segment, the importance of leveraging your background. So when you come from a corporation and you've had a lot of years of good work experience, if, if you want to say, I want to go out and start a marketing firm, or I want to do sales training, or I want to do consulting, you want to be able to leverage that background. And you want to be able to pull together you know, concretely what it is that you've accomplished in your career, because it is relevant, even though you're leaving that company behind and you're moving possibly into your own business, what you're bringing is all that really great work experience. And you're also bringing contacts, too, by the way. So keep in mind that you've been working with clients probably throughout your career. And if you go off and you start your own business, you know, you should reach out to those people and say, you know, I worked with you at this company, and now I'm off doing my own thing, because there might be an opportunity for you to do business with them. And I know that makes people nervous. And I'm like, I'm not comfortable selling myself. I don't want to do that. I don't want to go back to people that, you know, you're going to have far greater success networking and trying to reach out and sell yourself to people that know you, that have a reputation, that have worked with you and like you, you probably likely wouldn't reach out to people that didn't know you or like you. So know that they will um, probably do what they can to help you. If they can hire you, they will. But maybe if nothing else, they're going to get contact to you of people that they would also recommend that you talk to. But I want people to be aware that when you do do that, when you start to network and you go out and, and start to sell yourself and sell your business, you've got to be bold and you've got to be able to ask people for their help. So if they can't hire you, ask them for referrals. Be really, really upfront about what you want from them. The other thing when I work with, with women is to say, when you finish a project, it's very important that you get a recommendation at the end. So don't just assume that someone's going to write you a nice email or drop you a card or a letter and say, gosh, you know, Mary did a great job, blah, blah, blah. I want you to be prepared that that should be part of your best practice. So within a week at the end of a contract, let's say you did a three or six month contract with a business or an individual could be another entrepreneur. I want you to think about part of my strategy to keep building my business and putting a pipeline together and prospecting is that I want to go back and ask them, number one, for a referral, and secondly, can I get a recommendation in writing? Because that will help you when you put that in your marketing materials, you put it on your website. You know, just as we look at Amazon uh, ratings and comments when we buy things on Amazon, people will take a look at if someone's making a recommendation to do work with you. So all of that is really important to kind of think through that and be very strategic and start to build out a plan. But circling back to that old idea about the business narrative, the importance of focusing on your experience, your expertise, and your education, and you got to own it. That's the most important thing. 
And when I start off a class and I can walk into a room full of women who are there because they want to learn how to sell and build their sales acumen and sales strategy, I'll say, I can teach you how to sell. I feel like that, that's really my niche. I love sales. I was very successful in sales. And because I've done so much work over the years with women and really building out ways that I can teach them and build their confidence, I can teach you how to sell. Now, you tell me, what are you good at, right? So you, you want to make a statement, and we always start off with an introduction of the room about who I am and what is my business. And I want you to own what you do because that's going to help you say it out loud and also, you can drive some clarity from people in a room, which is what you should be doing with your own network and say, do you understand what I'm trying to sell? Because sometimes they don't because we do the talk around, right? We don't be really clear and explicit about what exactly it is that you do. And so I want people to be aware of that up front, that it's very clear about their messaging, that people can understand, if I were to work with you, what exactly will I get by buying your service or obviously buying a product? It's more obvious about that. But you know, it's just really key to do a lot of preparation. If I can impart, at minimum, you want to do preparation. You also want to be prepared that it's it's going to take some kind of an investment. I think it's rare that someone can start a business with literally no money down. So, and that might just be a few thousand dollars, one or two thousand dollars. There's a lot of DIY, build your own websites. Um, you can teach yourself SEO, search engine opti- optimization. You can teach yourself marketing strategy. But usually there's some kind of an investment, and I would like people to be aware that they're going to probably have to invest some money, some of their own money, but it will be a payoff because that kind of professional look will make a difference in terms of people wanting to hire you. Um, and especially when I work with women and I get them to think around, well, how are you going to present yourself? And you can get certified as a woman or as a minority-owned business. There's a whole term called supplier diversity. And if you are the right fit, you could go be a a contractor working within a corporation, and maybe you've got a marketing firm, and you're going to be able to go back and do some work with Target because you meet the requirements of a supplier diversity small business. So now in this environment more than ever, corporations who have always had supplier diversity goals are so much more paying attention to women and minority-owned businesses. So if you've got the right product and or service that a corporation would use, that this is a really the right time to explore if becoming a certified women or minority or a veteran-owned small business um, is the right time for you. And I'm always surprised when I talk about how few people understand that there is even a supplier diversity uh, program that exists with I would say every Fortune 500 corporation, probably the Fortune 1000 even beyond, and recognize that that's an opening and that's an opportunity that you should leverage and realize that that could be how you build your business, is that you get a chance as a woman-owned small business or a minority-owned small business to do work with corporations, and then you have to excel at it. You really do have to excel at providing excellent service or an excellent product. One of the benefits when you get certified is that you get an opportunity to go to these networking events. So back when we normalize again, these corporations will host events where you get a a chance to meet with supplier diversity professionals from those companies, and you get to network with them. You can exchange business cards. You need to follow up within 24 hours, um, and you want to uh, register in their supplier diversity portals. You look at that in the search box on the, on the companies. But that's part of a sales strategy, too. And I would just encourage someone, if they are listening and think, oh, you know what? I might actually be a fit. Explore it and see if that's a way that you could actually start to build your business as well. And with that, Mary, 
<laughs> I got to put you on pause. Uh, I want folks, though, to go to thewomensaccelerator.com. It's a great place to get a lot of these good ideas that, that Mary's talking about. And she's a great coach to help you think in new ways and get your confidence and get your hope and get your uh, business plan together and get out there and start your business. But before you do, why don't you stay with us for another segment that's coming up? And Mary's going to share some stories about leveraging uh your opportunities and what that looks like and what does your first year look like. So stay with us here here on AM 950, the progressive voice of Minnesota, and you're listening to Connections Radio Show. And we'll be right back. Welcome to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we have Mary Jacobs. She is the founder of the Women's Accelerator. And to find out more about that, you can go to her website, which is thewomensaccelerator.com. And we've been talking about looking at COVID-19 as an opportunity. Maybe this is the time to be thinking about pursuing our passion, doing what we want to do, figuring it out. Facing our fears, creating some hope by looking at how do you create strategy to make it happen. So let's continue talking about strategy, Mary, um, and and what that looks like in terms of taking what you have and <laughs> taking it on the road. <laughs> what what does that look like? Well, Faith, you know what? Is this a great conversation? So taking it on the road, and we've been talking about the business narrative and the business plan. And, and I, I feel like that's a, just the core, right, of getting started. What I also want to do is talk about pricing strategy, too, and having a frank conversation with pricing strategy, because I think this is really important. And especially in the first year when you're – and let's focus a little bit more on professional services firms, and you're trying to command either a significant hourly rate or a fairly significant project rate. And I want people to be really thoughtful and mindful about um, how they price their products and their services, especially their services. And this whole idea of family and friends discounts, everybody does it. I totally get it. The first year, you know, you're trying to get traction. You're trying to build a base. You're trying to build a portfolio of business. But be mindful that if you do too much of a discount and, and your business will take off, if you do the work, I genuinely believe that you can build a solid business and a practice. Um, but sometimes you get locked in at low pricing because you're giving it away. And I want to just, I say this because I want people to be mindful about their pricing strategy their first year. And there's nothing wrong with an introductory pricing or something along those lines, right? Just helps you get started. Um, then you've got some competencies. You could talk about customers that you've worked with that helps you build to get more customers. But being mindful of pricing strategy is really, really important that first year. Um, I'll talk a little bit about capital and access to capital. Uh, this is a challenge particularly for women. It is well-researched and well-written about that women have a harder time getting access to venture capitalists and for capital. Uh, but that's changing in a positive direction, even if it feels a little slow right now. But if someone does need to take out a business loan and get financing, just do know that there are avenues to work with banks, um, to work with people, professionals that will help you. But you've got to write a very, very extensive business plan attaching financials with your projections and the like. So uh, a, a number of people just start with what they have, but other people might want to build a company that they're going to have to buy products uh, in advance by inventory, or they've got to buy machinery or their rent or whatever that might look like. So just know that um, 
having access to capital, it's available for everyone. I think men have an easier shot at getting capital, but I think women, we're moving in the right direction. So understanding, you know, what it is that you're going to have to ask for from a bank, but then realize, of course, that that's a liability that's really important. And we talked a bit about your value proposition. You've got to be really clear. What is someone going to get by working with you? So when you're selling and you're out there, especially the first year, and you're knocking on doors and you're calling people, you want to be really clear about what are the outcomes that someone will get by working with you. And I've mentioned that I do a lot of work with women in professional services. And for those particularly that are doing consulting, we spend a lot of time talking about assessment. So what is that process going to look like? So when somebody works with you, you've, you've identified the problem. So together with your client, you know exactly what the challenges are. You know what you're there hired to do for them. But what are you going to be measuring along the way? And then what is the outcome? What's that final report going to look like? And so you want to be really clear about the tools and the assessments. Are you going to be doing interviews? Are you going to interview employees? Are you going to be doing surveys? So that's part of that preparation this first year, uh, getting really well prepared about what is my practice going to look like? So what are the deliverables? And then at the end, you need to be delivering back, right, the outcomes. And here's the final summary of the result of a project work that you did. And I also want people to really be thinking, so once that project is done, doesn't mean you're done working with that client. Find a way to schedule. Maybe it's a quarterly review with them, even though you're not officially working for them anymore. But find ways to stay in touch with your customers so that you can, you know, keep that pipeline, put them in your prospect, keep that pipeline, because maybe there's going to be an opportunity coming up in the next year or so, and you need to remind them. The what, other thing what? I want to talk to Oh, go ahead, Lori. <laughs> just, just I can go. talk and talk. I know, I, I know. Just thought I'd, I'd add a question or two. <laughs> yeah, please. So, oh, sorry. So, no, yeah. no, no, no. I, I, as you're discussing this, it, it seems to me that women do a really good job of pulling a lot of these details together, but then how it's being presented sometimes can impact it as well. Having Not having the confidence in presenting to a bank about your value proposition. Um, understanding, I mean, you've even suggested about how you practice your your, your proposals and your pitches um, mm-hmm. so that you gain an understanding of how to present your idea in such a way that it interests people, that they want to support you, that they want to work with you. If you want to just share a little bit about what your thoughts are on that. Well, thank you. And I, I, you're spot on with that. I'm going to use an example. Last summer, I worked with a cohort of seven women, and two of them in one of our sessions in the following week, we're getting ready for meetings. And we talked about their introduction. So they were going to lead meetings. And one of them was done in Rochester, and there were going to be people from Mayo Clinic. Another one was working, she's an attorney, working with a group of financial professionals. So our, our meeting that day was about their introduction and how they talked about themselves. So one of them had a PhD, and the other one um, was an attorney, had a master's from NYU in taxation. And neither one of them... Now, surprise, we're comfortable talking about themselves. So what they did was they scripted out their introduction and then they practiced with us because that was the way for them to say, I went to Harvard, I went to NYU, the University of Minnesota Law School. I, you know, the other one who had the PhD, this is her background. Because here's the difference that when you can accept and with confidence talk about yourself and your background, that could make the difference of how much money you can ask from your clients because you know, if you've got a really impressive background, talk about it. That's creating a perception of value right out of the gate. Just as working with certain kinds of clients in your background also makes a really positive impression. And so people need to realize that all these assets that they have because of their work experience or the customers that they've worked with 
projects that, that they can talk about, the, the outcomes of projects that they've worked on, that's impressive. And that's what people are going to be buying when they buy from you and buy your services. But it's a real conundrum because women do have a difficult time. Mm-hmm. What sounds like bragging, and there, I don't know if it's a socialization or it's something that we've just picked up along the way that we think it's better not to, to brag. Um, but what's the difference between bragging and confidence? And how, how do you, you know, you've worked with women who have doctorates that don't even want to share that. I mean, what, you know, what's up with that? You know what? It, it, it's sadly so common. And I think it takes being in an environment of other women and being in a supportive environment. I love cohorts. I love it when women can work together. So when I lead cohorts, you know, it's about me teaching sales and sales strategy, but it's also about being in a room of other women that support them. And, and it's the practice, it's the verbalizing it, and I think that's what makes the difference between um, like knowing that you're really good and saying it out loud and then trying to get the value for who you are. And then you can't be mad if John gets the job or gets the contract because John is bragging, he has that much more confidence, or he possibly is embellishing his credentials, and you sit there quietly and not talk about yours. That's, and, and you we have know, to own that. And we know there are studies that show that – Men look at a job description and go, well, I don't have like half of this stuff, but I can learn it. And, you know, I've got half of it, you know, down beautifully. Women look at the job description and go, oh, I don't have this teeny weeny little part of it. Ah, I'm not ready yet. And it's (laughs) – what's that about? Is it just that we don't know that it's okay not to have everything with the T's dotted – T's crossed and I's dotted? Or do we just want perfectionism and that we we don't want to move on until we think that we've got everything together? What have you learned when you've worked with women? Gosh, I love that question. And you're you're just – you're saying it so perfectly, you know, and I think that's the sad reality. And I don't know what it's going to take other than more role modeling of it and more reading about it. Um, what you're talking about is a trap of perfectionism, right? That, uh, you know, a lot of the work, and, and I tell women, I want you to be 60 to 70% ready to go when you start to sell yourself. Because we get married to our own ideas and we think, oh, someone's, everyone's going to buy this, not even someone. And then what we don't recognize is like, gosh, what if I am so fixated on my idea, but no one really wants to buy it from me. But if you're 60 to 70% done, and then you can get out there and start talking to people, it allows you that room to pivot. So that if you've probably got a really good core product or service, but that that now that networking will help you. And I I wish I had a solution for you other than it takes practice. Mm -hmm. It takes being around supportive people that encourage you and And acknowledge how good you are. I I think also it takes looking at even our concept of money in a new way. And um, what I... What I'm saddened by is that sometimes people recoil when they hear the word sales. Well, I would never do that. I'd rather, you know, mm-hmm. poke out my eyes than sell. Well, selling is really just building a relationship and providing uh, what someone needs in, in a fair, negotiated way. It, it doesn't have to be conning someone. A good salesperson understands that it's a solution to a challenge that they may face, and you can get excited about being able to provide that that resource or that opportunity for them to get what they need. Uh, but, but we stop ourselves for some reason. Um, and we, we I, think of sales as being somehow not being about relationship. It's about something else and it's tied into bragging and it's tied into like not being worthy. There's a whole complex set of stuff there. 
I agree with you. And I think it's a perception of a salesperson, like a slick salesperson is going to try to sell me something that I don't want, Mm -hmm. or someone at the retail store is going to try to buy me more items that I wasn't prepared to buy for. Mm -hmm. And so our perception of sales is aggressive and not what people like. And it's just the total opposite of that. You're describing providing a solution to a problem, helping someone, you know, get better, uh, build their business, uh, you know, maybe a product that's going to save lives. All that's good stuff if it's presented in a way like that that people can relate to. But but you're also talking about being really attuned to the perception of selling. And in uh, certain kind, like I was a really good salesperson. I'm not a type A in your face salesperson. Um, so I was very relationship oriented. And that really to me was why I had a lot of success in sales because people trusted the follow-up was really critical. If I said I was going to do something, I did it right away. Um, and trust is such a big part of it and communication. And I talked um, when I talked to young women, too, about, like, if I'm an introvert versus an extrovert, introverts are as equally or more successful as extroverts. It doesn't mean you have to be, you know, flailing type A, you know, to be successful in sales. Not at all. Because if people trust you and they have confidence that you're good at it and you're going to do what you said you were going to do, you're going to be very, you're just going to be fine. You're, you are going to be successful. And that's why even as entrepreneurs, people are going to buy from you because they trust you that you can deliver what you said you're going to deliver. And that's a perfect note to end on for this segment. And we'll be right back. And we'll, we'll be talking more about finding our voice in figuring out how to express who we are and what we're doing so that we get paid attention to. And uh, we can persuade through sales or we can persuade because of our business. But you need to be a lot of things uh, as a businesswoman. And I think part of it is being confident in our voice in what we're presenting and who we are. So we'll be right back and we'll talk to Mary about more about that. Welcome back to Connections Radio Show. I'm Lori Fitz, your host. And today we've been exploring looking at the opportunities during COVID-19. Maybe this is a time to start our business. It sounds counterintuitive, but maybe this is the time to look at possibilities and research and figure out what we want to do. But the next step, it seems like, is not only putting the business plan together, but owning it in a different way. And I know that folks struggle with there can be a lot of security in in working at your job um, and and you may have the benefits and you may have a, a lot of good things, but are you ready to do something different? Mary's here to to support those that may want to look at something different. Do you have a passion? You want to explore it? What could it look like? So Mary is the founder of the Women's Accelerator. And to uh, find out more about what she does, you can go to thewomensaccelerator.com. Look for Mary Jacobs. Also, Mary, if they want to buy your book on Amazon, what's the name of your book again? It's called Sales Strategies for New Women Entrepreneurs, and it's successfully transitioning from employee to entrepreneur. Well, that's just kind of how we ended the last segment, looking at sales. Um, and, and I think that there is something about persuading someone to do something that calls upon gathering who we are, knowing who we are, and being authentic in our ask. And I think why people sometimes are uncomfortable is that that they have gotten swindled or they thought they were being authentic and, and it wasn't really a win-win. Um, but you have a different concept of what how, how folks can own who they are 
and then offer it in a strong and positive way. Tell me about that. Well, I, I thank you. And I think we've had just great segments on this. And, and you're asking really informative questions because I think it's at the core of what people think about. The scary part, not even sometimes thinking about starting a business because people have usually a good idea of what they want to do. But, but then it's like, oh, gosh, now i got to get out and sell it. Right. People have to buy from me. And one of the things that I'd like to, to talk about briefly is the difference of informing versus selling. And I think that happens a lot, it, which is I've got a terrific woman. Just she has got a great, great product. She has had outstanding opportunities to be in front of audience to talk about her product, which could make a difference, um, you know, in life. It's, it's I'm going to call it an advanced walker, but that's not it's a great product. And so I've been working with Catherine for a couple of years and we talk about this and she's like, yep, Mary, I know, I know I'm informing and I'm not selling. So she'll stand up there for, let's say she gets a half hour audience presentation. She talks about a great product. She's got market research data that backs it up that shows the difference of her product versus another product. Um, but at the end of her presentation, it's not clear that she's trying to sell to that audience. Then they all come up, they want to talk to her, but she's not actively getting orders as much as she would like to for having a quality product. So we've had these great conversations through the years like, Catherine, they have to know at the end of your presentation, you're actually trying to sell to them. Just like if you have a meeting with a prospect, um, you, you want them to know that you're actually trying to get them to work with you and, and to buy from you. And there are ways to ask, you know, that you can get more comfortable about, but hopefully along the way in a meeting that you're actually setting it up so that people know, here's the ROI by working with me. Here's my background that I'm bringing to my new business. And here's my reputation and my brand. This is what you should expect by getting a chance to work with me or buy my product. Because I've given a lot of thought. I've done a lot of market research on this product as well. Selling is not easy. I'm not going to tell you that it's easy, but it is not rocket science. And I don't think it is nearly as daunting as people think that it is. And I would just say a couple best practice ideas is know your best time of the day. If you are a morning person, I would do your very best to try to um, get meetings in the morning versus at four o'clock in the afternoon. I am a morning person. I thrive in the morning. I would always try to schedule a meeting in the morning versus later on in the afternoon. Be aware. This kind of sounds um, obvious, but a lot of people don't even think. You know, if you have a lunch and you have a high-carb lunch and you get groggy, which a lot of people do, it makes them a little sleepy, um, don't schedule a meeting at one thirty when it's not your best time of the day. Just be kind of mindful of, of and, and where Mary, are you. We, we've got about a minute, so okay. your, your last big idea. Give give me what what big recommendation you want to make sure folks go away with. I want to say do the preparation, write your business plan, do the business narrative, and be bold. Be bold about. Tell me more. You've got a few more be, seconds here. <laughs> so. Be bold with your big idea, right? And and just be. And by the way, having a part-time job is not a bad idea to test the waters too. Because there it's are like challenges. a part-time business, yeah. right? There are challenges. Well, it's something I I am fascinated with in terms of how do we get from our ideas um, to persuading to something bigger. And I I do think that we're we're very good about informing and creating a good rationale, but we don't always bring our passion for ideas to persuade others to do something bigger and do something bold. So thank you, Mary. And to learn more about Mary's work, go to thewomensaccelerator.com and her book, Sales Strategies for New Women Entrepreneurs Successfully Transitioning from Employee to Entrepreneur. Thanks so much for being with us today.